Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Synchronized Faith is the series we've been working with. And we talked about the very first week. Um, we, uh, we talked about why good things happen to bad people, why bad things happen to good people, and why prayers seem to go unanswered. Those are things that get us out of sync with our faith when we start thinking about those things and say, God, where are you? What are you doing? Why are you letting good things happen to these evil people? And, you know, why are bad things happening to really righteous or good people? Well, we know that no one is righteous, not even one, the Bible says, but we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And when we begin asking those questions, it removes us from being synchronized with faith in God. And the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please Him. And so doesn't it make sense that Satan does not want us walking in faith, living a life of faith, so he tries to get us out of sync? The unanswered prayer thing, you guys remember the Garth Brooks song? Uh, I put that on my country song list. I've actually become a little bit country, uh, I guess a little bit more, is it Marie that was country or which one? Anyway, uh, a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll. And then we uh, talked about the, the three things that really eat at our faith. One is criticism, that if you listen to your critics long enough, and let me say this, sometimes criticism has an element of truth to it, okay? The reality is that the cross overshadows the truth of that criticism. doesn't mean that, because nobody's perfect. But we listen to critics long enough, instead of listening to the Word and listening to the Spirit of God, our faith will be minimized. And then there's chaos, things that are not directed toward us, but things that happen around us. And they distract us and keep us from exercising pointed, spot-on faith. Don't know what you're believing for today, but I can almost guarantee you that there are people around you that are negative. And that creates chaotic thinking. And before you know it, you're giving up your faith without realizing your faith is drifting from you. And then when you don't address the criticism and the chaos, it'll become a care in your life. And the Bible says that we're to cast all of our cares upon the Lord because He cares for us. So if we don't address the criticism and the chaos, it will become a care and a worry in our lives. And it, again, will remove us from faith. And then last week, I spoke about the three people, the, the, the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, how she had to synchronize her faith in the public square. Uh, she had to synchronize with Jesus, which in that day, please forgive me if this sounds uh, in any way disrespectful, but what Jesus did in that day was broke the law. Now, not the secular law, but the law of Moses. Because the woman, in fact, should have been stoned. There are things that should happen in our lives as a result of the decisions we made. But Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And so Jesus addressed it. So she had to choose, do I stand by the law of Moses or do I believe in this, what some people call prophet, and do I synchronize with this grace and forgiveness? How many of you know it's difficult to synchronize with grace sometimes? Especially when you know you've been stupid, I've been stupid, and you go, I don't deserve this. That's what makes grace grace, is that we don't deserve it. 
And so she has to synchronize with Jesus. Then there's Zacchaeus, who in the Bible times was worse than a Gentile. He was considered to be worse. And you know what Jews thought about Gentiles. And he was considered to be worse than a Gentile. He was a tax collector. He was a thief. And, and he climbs a tree because he's a little bitty short guy. Just to see Jesus. But was he really trying to see Jesus? Or was he wanting to be seen by Jesus? It doesn't matter. He elevated himself. A thief, a tax collector, in the midst of the public square, he elevates himself. Let me tell you, if you want to see Jesus and you want to be seen by Jesus, you have to disregard what everybody might say or think. You just have to go, you know, it doesn't matter, man. I'm climbing the tree. Somebody might shoot me. Somebody might come after me. I know they hate me, but I'm not staying down below my circumstances. I'm rising above my circumstances. And Zacchaeus does, and Jesus looks up and says, hey, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house to eat. Now, here's what happens. Jesus synchronized himself with Zacchaeus so that Zacchaeus could get in sync with him. That's what Jesus did when he came from heaven to earth, was brought synchronization to humanity and identified with our sin. So Zacchaeus took him to his house. And there was the guy named Simon. Jesus wanted to make such a point with Simon that he changed his name from Simon to Petros or to Peter. Here Peter is, a guy who becomes a hothead, denies Jesus three times. And I think the hardest thing in our lives to do is to overcome rejecting Christ. To overcome rejecting Christ. And, and we've all done it. I mean, we've all been in these crowds of people. And maybe uh, you were at a Christmas party or you were in a family gathering. And, and people were, you knew there were atheists and agnostics there. And those are the best parties. Because it really works on our faith and works on our love. You know, you don't go in and say you're going to hell if you don't believe what I believe. You have an opportunity to love people in the midst of all this. And Peter, here Peter is in, in this chaotic situation, in this uh, denying Christ and, and cutting off ears. And I still, like I think I said when I preached this, I don't think Peter was going for his ear. I think he was going for his neck. And, and somehow it just missed and it cuts his ear off. And, and here this guy is having rejected Christ. And then he stands up and preaches one of the greatest messages ever. Because he decided no matter what I've done, what I've done can never compare with what he's done. You know, sometimes people quit on church. They walk out of the church and they... They say, oh, I've done too much. I, God can't possibly love me. And, and they get out of sync with God. Can I tell you something today? Those of you watching, God's not out of sync with you. God loves you as much today as he did when you were born and you were still a sinner at birth. Little babies are filled with it. They just haven't had opportunity to express it yet. Because it's in our DNA from the fall of man. So today is part four. And today we're going to talk about the little bitty things, the small things that make a huge difference. You know, sometimes we, we're waiting on God to give us this big task and we're waiting on a, a, a big, some kind of big sign from God. In reality, I find the small things may be tougher than the big things. In other words, when things are real obvious, we have no problem. It's obvious. Must be God, we say. Must be God. I can see it everywhere. It's easy. But sometimes it's those very small things. I believe it's called the small foxes that destroy the vine. And 
And so the small things are critical, and sometimes we overlook the small things. We, we fail to look at the details and, and say, God, what is it you really have? And there was a, uh, a doctor, a lawyer, a young boy, and a priest. Anytime you start sentence with that, you know it's a joke. Uh, <clears throat> and um, they uh, went up in a private airplane uh, just to kind of fly over the city. And as uh, they were up there, the plane began to, to stutter, and then finally the engine stalled. The pilot worked for a long time to try to get the engines restarted, but it just wasn't happening. So the pilot steps out of his seat, grabs his parachute, and says, Guys, this is going down. You you need to jump. So he puts his parachute on. He jumps out. And uh, unfortunately, there were four people left with only three parachutes. And so, of course, the doctor looked at everybody and says, I'm a doctor. I save lives, so it's very important that I live. So he grabs his parachute. He jumps out of the plane. And next is the lawyer, and the lawyer said, you know, I'm a lawyer. We're the smartest people in the world. I deserve a parachute. So he grabs it, he jumps, and and the priest, the humble, precious priest, looks at the young boy and said, you know, son, he said, I've lived a long, full life serving the Lord. He said, you have a long, wonderful life ahead of you here. Take the parachute. The little boy took it just for a second. He said, said, Father, he said, here, you can have it back. He said, uh... The lawyer just jumped with my backpack. So it's, um, it's not always the smartest, it's sometimes the smallest. You don't have to be brilliant, you just have to have faith. You have to trust God. And so today we're going to talk about the small things. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Zechariah chapter 4 verse 8 or it will be up on the screen. And uh, we're talking here about building the walls. Zechariah is writing about rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And whenever you start doing even the littlest things for God, there will always be people who will challenge you. Throughout the rebuilding of of the walls of Jerusalem, there were a couple of guys named Sambalat and Tobiah who were continually coming to ridicule the children of Israel for trying to rebuild the holy city. And in this particular situation, it says, After that, verse 8, the word of God came to me. Zerubbabel started rebuilding this temple, and he will complete it. This is how the Message Bible. That will be your confirmation that God of the angel armies sent me to you. Does anyone dare despise the day of small beginnings? Now, maybe I'm preaching this as the grand finale of Synchronized Faith series only because... Here we are in a venue that will seat two to three hundred, and there are a decent number of us in here at 9.30 for 9.30, but you've got to understand, I was used to preaching to thousands and thousands and thousands of people every weekend. So every Sunday that I get ready to come, I'm not despising the small beginnings. As a matter of fact, I really kind of like y'all because I can know if anybody talks back, I know who you are. In large crowds, hecklers, I didn't know, heck, I didn't know who they were. But now I know all of you, so if you get out of line, I can deal with you, okay? (laughs) So there are some positive things uh, in in small beginnings. Now, do I think we'll stay this small? Absolutely not. And uh, it's not because I'm driven to reach a number, but I am driven to reach people. I am driven to have an influence in people's lives who are lost, hurting, downcast, outcast, 
And those are the people that we look at. It's always been in my heart to reach the down and out. Uh, when I was going to college at Old Roberts University in Tulsa, I was a theology student, and there were a few of us who actually really wanted to do something for God. Uh, we didn't want to just develop our brains. We wanted to develop a society. And so we were so desperate, nobody would let us preach. I mean, you know, we were theology students. We were dangerous to those who were real charismatic, and, and we were stupid to those who had theology degrees already. We didn't fit anywhere except gas on the streets. So we would, we would uh, me and one other guy would go downtown Tulsa, and it's nothing like Bricktown. When you go to downtown Tulsa, it's dark, and, and you got to be careful, okay? It's not a bad city. It's just not set up for people that, to go and have coffee at midnight. But we knew that's when the homeless were out, so we would go downtown, and, and uh, we, we would go and just begin to, to share the gospel with them. It's always been in my heart to reach that kind of person. And you say, well, you know, and I, I, I mean, I believe everybody needs to be rich. The up and out are as in bad a shape as the down and out. But for some reason, when you just get it in your head that you've got to share one-on-one uh, -on -one and you, you, that's all the audience you've got, sometimes it can be a little disheartening, especially when they turn you down. I gave a, a homeless lady a dollar to pray the sinner's prayer with me just so I could say she did. And um, desperate desperate you know I just I just wanted to do something even no matter how small it was just something that would say God I am passionate about making your name known that's what we're passionate about this whole thing called earth it's this time in dispensation in which we live it's nothing but a mere passing through and all I would say to you is don't overlook the small things don't overlook the small details. I mean, the, you know, just, just hearing God say, cook a meal for a neighbor who just got out of the hospital. You don't even know them. But that small thing may make a huge difference in their life. Just that small little thing may make the biggest difference in their life. You know, most of us really want God to do something really great in us and through us. And we want to do big things. And there's nothing wrong with that. We can who God is. It will never appreciate the big things until we really, really are committed to the small things in life. And so, to me, coming back here, being with you every Sunday, I, I, I got to tell you, I'm loving life, and uh, I, I'm loving what we're doing, and I'm loving the people that I'm doing it with. But guess what? I do know this. I do know that there are a lot of people that need what we have and are searching for what we possess. True grace, true mercy, true love. A bunch of people from different walks of life and different backgrounds with all kinds of different wonderful issues and dramas. I mean, we just have them today. If, if we just stood up, we could really glorify hell today. We really could by just sharing all the issues that we brought in here. All the dramas and, and all the thoughts. Some of you wives wanted to kill your husband before church this morning. And some of you husbands are like so tired of your wife being late that you just, you're just angry being here today. And if I gave you a chance, this could turn into Jerry Springer. <laughs> but we came to glorify God. Not to elevate the dramas and the issues that seem very big in our lives. You know, things get large in us when we get fatigued, when we get tired. 
there are things that your spouse or your boss or someone can say to you that doesn't matter most days. But on a certain day, that which should not be a big deal becomes a big deal. And that's when we have to go back and remember the small things. Love your neighbor. Bless those who persecute you. We don't like to preach on those things because that requires us to crucify our flesh. But it's those little bitty thoughts. Forgive, bless, love, extend grace, extend, extend mercy. When you know that the person that you're looking toward doesn't deserve it. Elijah was a great man. If you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings 19. Elijah was a great man, but how many of you know Elijah even had issues? I mean, men have been running from women for a long time. Elijah began running from Jezebel. Scared to death of this little woman. I, I, I don't think I'll get to see Jezebel. Maybe, I doubt it. But maybe there'll be pictures in heaven of showing the victory that Elijah had over that situation. But he was frightened. And he had conquered the prophets of Baal. God had shown himself strong in his life. But even Elijah had issues and dramas that could have prevented him from doing even greater things in his life. And it says in verse 11, then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. How many times are we looking for God where God isn't? God, I know that you're so dramatic. You're such an awesome God that we're looking for God in, in the huge, in the monstrous, in, in something beyond what we can even imagine. Elijah's looking for God in this mighty wind. Then it says, and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. Sounds like this is Oklahoma to me. And after the earthquake of fire, how many of you are old enough to remember earth, wind, and fire? Okay, good. <laughs> Had that thought when I was going through here. I know that's where they got this. And after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. During the two-year, well, it wasn't quite two years at that point, but it was getting close for me, the, the hiatus of my dark time. Um, I really was kind of in this position looking for God and all the big things and saying, God, you got to really show me. you got to show me where you want me to go. I had the job offer in Europe, one in the Bahamas. and Those were big deals to me. I mean, actually, I looked at those and I thought, this is a no-brainer. Come on, who doesn't want to live in Europe or the Bahamas? Come on, somebody. That's what I'm talking about. I'm thinking, this is a no-brainer. I'm out of here. I get to disappear. I'm going to do my thing. And uh, lo and behold, sitting in a small little church, California, still small voice began to whisper to me about this and about you. I was kind of like Elijah. Like, really, God? Couldn't we have done the earthquake? Couldn't you have said something majestic, dramatic to me? Why do you have to just whisper to me? You see, it's important that we sit down and we're just quiet 
I want to challenge you tomorrow to get up in the morning, get up early. And we did this on social media. Danielle posted this thing. Seven minutes. Seven minutes. When you are committed to giving seven minutes to God, just sit and listen. Don't say a word. Because the reality is, there really can simply be one prayer. God, speak to me today what your will is. I don't need for you to hear all of my needs. My, he knows them before you ever open your mouth. So my prayer is, God, would you speak to me today and would you put everything on my calendar that you want on my calendar? Here's going to be the problem. When you sit down and you commit seven minutes and you say nothing, which will be supernatural for some of you, and I may be one of those yous. <laughs> but what I do now, a friend of mine used to call it practicing the presence of God. Practice the presence of God. Small thing, huge difference. We need to listen twice as much as we need to speak. We have two ears and one mouth. And what I have found in my life is not what I say to God that changes everything. It's what God says to me. And let me tell you, when you're scrambling and when you're afraid, you become like Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration. I mean, everything, Jesus starts glowing. I mean, that'd make all of us a little scared, wouldn't it? Jesus starts, I mean, Peter wants to start building things. He doesn't know what to say. I need to build this. We need to do that. You know, because when God starts showing up, we start opening our mouths, freaking out. So what I have found is when I sit down and say, God, I'm, I'm going to give you seven minutes. Now, listen, I know what you're thinking. That I am spiritually dwarfed. It's not the amount of time, it's the amount of attention. It's the amount of attention. Our attention spans are so short. And it's so difficult. I don't know about you. I'm my mind starts thinking, oh God, I need to do this, I gotta do that, and thank you, Jesus, and then I gotta write it down, I gotta I want to challenge us as I conclude this series, Synchronized Faith, because the question would be, how do we synchronize our faith every day with God? When I look at Elijah's story and his great crisis and all that he was going through, just simply uh, listening for the right voice. See, silence is golden. Synchronized faith is a still, calm, often silent faith. When I hear people, and I believe in confession, and I believe in saying things that line up with the Word of God, but I also believe that sometimes when I go to Psalm 46:10, be still and know that I'm God. Be still. Now, I'm a loud person. I'm a vocal person. I process everything out loud. I wish I was an introvert most of the time instead of an extrovert. Because introverts seem to be able to navigate without anybody. Then there are those of us who say way too much. And sometimes we just need to be still. And say, God, I need, I need that still small voice that you use to reach the great man of God, the prophet Elijah. That's what I need today. Quiet time prepares us for noisy times. When you get to the office, if you've had quiet and still time with God, all the noise in the office will not be near as loud to you as it is to everyone else. 
and it won't bother you because you have insulated yourself, not isolated, but insulated yourself with the presence of God. Some of us in here are fixers. We're going to fix everybody and we're going to fix everything. And we're going to do it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And that's probably how we'll say it to justify our foolishness. Instead of just saying, Lord, I want to hear your voice. I just want you to whisper in my ear today. I don't need anything bombastic. I don't need anything dramatic. I just need to hear your whisper in my ear today. And women don't think that you can roll over and go, take out the trash, honey. <laughs> it only took a small cake, so he has a small voice. Then he's hungry. He's being fed by ravens. And finally, God tells him, get up and go to Zarephath. There will be a widow there who will take care of you. So Elijah gets up and follows the word of God to him. And he sees this woman. And because of his connection with God, he knows who she is. And he says, bring me a jar of water. And she says, okay, because water had wells and was rather plentiful. But the food supply was short. And Elijah then yells out to her and says, oh, also bring me a small cake. Now, in this modern age, that would be called spiritual bullying. Using your prophetic position to get me to feed you because she said, well, actually, I'm out just gathering a few sticks and I'm getting ready to go home and cook my son and our last meal and then we're going to die. Well, wouldn't most of us have said, uh, oh, forget it, it's okay. Not Elijah's, I want my cake. Now, here's what was happening. He had heard a small voice, and he knew what that, the power of that. But in this moment, the real power is he synchronized his faith with that voice. Now, this woman has to synchronize her faith with this request. Now, how many times have we had someone ask us for something that we knew we didn't really have the wherewithal to give them? In the natural, there was nothing we could do to really help them in our mind. But it wasn't in that moment. It wasn't about the resource. It was about the response. She knew that she was going to eat and die. That's what she had already factored everything in and said, there's, there's just nothing else. We have nothing else. We have no more oil. We have no more wheat. We have nothing left to make anything. And Elijah puts this request. Now listen to this. The woman does it. And as she's going to do it, Elijah tells her, until the rain, now I don't know if he's feeling responsible because he was the one that delivered the message, it won't rain for three years, three and a half years. I don't know, but I do know this, that he responded to that woman's response, don't worry, everything you have is not going to run out until it starts to rain. And when it starts to rain, the harvest will come. Sometimes, when someone puts a demand or a request on the small thing that we have, they're really giving us an opportunity to synchronize our faith with a miracle. Really that simple. I'll never forget my pastor 
in Tulsa, uh, Billy Joe Darty, who's today with Jesus. We were trying to raise money to build a building. And uh, this was all new to me, what I'm about to tell you. I had never heard this before in my life. It, it, it messed me up in a good way. And we were in staff meeting, and Billy Joe told us what he was going to do. And we needed millions of dollars. And I don't remember if we had, I don't remember how many millions. We, the, the church had one or two or three million in the bank, but we needed like ten times that or five times that. I don't remember the exact numbers, but all I do remember is him saying, we're going to give all we have away. Well, you have to look. I'm a youth pastor. $100,000 would have freaked me out. You're talking three million or whatever. That, he said, because we don't have enough to build the building anyway and we won't have enough unless we sow what we have it actually lined up with the bible whatever you sow you reap well if you go to Tulsa today across from old Roberts University there's a building sitting there that is debt free she simply obeyed God and relatively speaking, with the small thing that he had. He didn't have enough to do what he needed to do to finish what he needed to finish. This woman didn't have enough to even take care of her son and herself. But she synchronized her faith with a promise from God. You see, sometimes, even when it comes to giving of any, any type, we measure what we have in our hand and the possible outcome instead of measuring what would happen if we put it in God's hand. I'll never forget, I, you guys know I'm, I'm a car freak. I, I've had muscle cars since I was 16. And i got to be honest with you, cars can really have an effect on me. And now, everybody has their thing. Some of it, for some of you, it's shoes. If we went to some women's closets, it's it just, it's ludicrous. It's ridiculous in some of our minds. But it's not to you. It's not to me. See, it's not, the problem isn't the shoes or the cars. The problem is who has who? Does the car have me or do I have the car? Do you have the shoes or the shoes have you? And I'll never forget the day God tested me on this. And it was a small thing. It wasn't a great car, but it was a good car. And he said, I want you to give it away. Now, you have to understand, God could have asked me to give anything else away. But that. After that, I began giving cars away. And I began to begin receiving cars that were better than the ones I gave away. That may not resonate with you, but just think about the things that you love the most. And I'm not saying God will do this, but it could be funny next week if you come back angry. That God asks you to do something really small, and relatively speaking, like he put on this widow. Because it seemed really, when you read this story, if I was a heathen, an atheist, agnostic, I'm, I'm not even sure I'd... If I didn't understand God, want this kind of God. Because God's asking 
the prophet to ask this woman to do something that seemed quite contrary to what you would want to ask someone to do who's already in lack. But when we synchronize our lives with the very small things, New Testament says if you're faithful over the little, God will make you ruler over much. If we don't handle small things well, why would God ever entrust large things to us? Some of you have exercised this beautifully, and I thank you for that. Uh, we would not be where we are today had you not been faithful to do the small things. In, maybe it's relative. Maybe, you know, $10,000 is a small thing to a billionaire. It's relative. But we still are all called to say, do the small things. And lastly, it only took a small cloud for Elijah to get excited. Now, here's the challenge. This one deals with tenacity. Previous one dealt with sacrifice. The first one dealt with silence. Can you be silent? Because silence will synchronize us. Sacrifice will synchronize us. But whenever we don't see what we want to see, and we're not seeing what we need to see to really get excited, then sometimes we just quit. You know, I've heard people say, you know, I've I prayed for 15 years for my husband to be born again or my wife to change or whatever you prayed for. And one day you woke up and you just quit. Why? Why would we just quit? Elijah's concerned. He had a prophetic word. And now he had prophesied. And back in that day, if you prophesied and something didn't come true, you were stoned. So prophetic words in a protected millennium make it real easy to prophesy false prophecy. But in this day, you, when you opened your mouth and said, it's not going to do this for this period of time, you better be accurate. So now here we, we see Elijah, 1 Kings 18. He tells his servant, go and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there. The servant said, Seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. Now hold on, come on. That's all you got? That's, that's the best God can come up with right here? Again, no earth, no wind, no fire. No humongous thunderhead, just a cloud, the smallest hand. Now, the reason I say this, listen to me. If you've been working on a spouse to go to church, and they say these words, maybe sometime. Get excited! They didn't tell you they would or when, but they just indicated just a little bit. Instead, you get critical and start pushing stronger. No, no, no. It's time to get excited. Something great is about to happen out of the small things. And Elijah says, go and tell Ahab. 
Hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. It's a, it's a cloud. This big. And Elijah has a storm coming. That's what I call synchronizing your faith with a very small thing. I think we wait way too long to get excited for fear of criticism, chaos, and care. I work on myself every Sunday that I'm coming. If you see me looking up at the back wall, I see a balcony filled with people. You say, you're nuts. Small cloud. Today, you all are potential precipitation. Let the rain come, Jesus. Let the rain fall. Let the thunderhead roll in. Well, not literally. we got a fall festival. I better be careful if my faith is operating strong today. We could find ourselves wet between 12 and 2. Sometimes a small cloud will turn into a big storm. Synchronized with possibility. Just the smallest of possibility doesn't take a lot. Some of you have been praying and dreaming and hoping, believing, standing, searching, seeking, wanting, desiring, proclaiming, declaring, confessing. You're tired. Don't be tired. Be encouraged. And be praying for us. I mean, I, I, we are just, in next week we'll know whether or not we're going to have our own place. I mean, this is, I've got, I'm telling you, it's taking faith. And they've been, I've been tired. I've been like, okay, oh God, I got to, well, you know, it's tired, fatigued of thinking about this and all that it entails and everything. And then I go, life's small compared to how large eternity is. God's a big God. He's bigger than your need, bigger than your drama, bigger than your issue, bigger than our pain, bigger than our sickness. His name is above every name. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much um, for exercising faith in your creation, in us. God, we are so blessed and so honored to be able to call you Father. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe today that's not been something you've been able to do is to really feel comfortable calling him Father. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except by me. So the way to be able to call him Father is through Jesus. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a prayer with all of you in here, those of you watching online. The Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, we used to say, Jesus, come and live in your heart. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. Uh, so I'm not asking Jesus to come and live in your heart. I'm asking us to put our faith in Jesus. So I want all of you in here to pray this with me. And those of you watching online, pray this with me. Say, Father God, today I call upon the name of your only Son, Jesus Christ. I repent of my sin and I synchronize my faith with your promise that all who call on your name 
shall be saved. Today I'm saved. Thank you, Jesus.